there's not the entrepreneur. Um, often it takes a team to make the perf perfect entrepreneur. Before coming to those three power questions, for sure, I would observe that person, look at the person and listen big time. If you have a feeling that something is wrong, but you don't know what it is, uh, you better look up um, and, and there is something. Uh, your, your intuition tells you something. Uh, uh, so you realize there is something, but you still don't know. So you have to search until you have an answer. Welcome to the Sparker podcast, which unveils the mindsets, tactics, and opinions of great minds in business, innovation, creativity, and leadership. In today's episode, I'll talk to Florian Schweitzer, founder of one of Europe's largest venture capital firms called B2V. In the past, they invested in Facebook or Xing, and today they back exciting companies like Volocopter, SumUp or Outfittery, just to name a few. This episode will be all over the place. We will touch many, many topics that are really important to entrepreneurs and leaders in general. What started as an episode about the art of asking the right questions turned into a conversation about the importance of listening, being present, the importance of intuition, passion, trust, and relationships. Looking for a theme here, I realized that together with Florian, we discussed why every business is people business. I'm sure you'll benefit in some shape or form from the expertise Florian shared in this conversation. My name is Christian Lundsgaard from Sparker, and this is the Sparker Podcast. Okay, Florian, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. It's a great pleasure. And um, I would say, let's jump right in. Uh, we have all been in job interviews and we know those situations. And as we all know, some questions come up all the time. There are some classics in these kind of job interviews. Um, which classics are nonsense in your regard? What questions should people not bother to ask, actually? Well, first of all, thank you as well for the interview. Uh, I really have a good remembrance of our first talk, so I appreciate that um, somehow you liked it. So what, what, what questions people can avoid, I think, <laughs> each question is good. Um, it depends how you phrase it. I think if you um, ask, tell me about your weaknesses, right away, you probably get some bullshit. If you can wrap it differently and have shown people some of your weaknesses before, you're very likely to, to get some proper answers. So I, I think there's no good and bad questions. It's more um, about being present and uh, getting who is in front of you. That's um, a huge topic that I would like to tap into with a couple of questions now in this, uh, let's say, 15 minutes that we have together. 
Um, as an investor, you get approached by promising people, ideas, business proposals all the time. And how do you assess which ones are worth pursuing? What are some categories that you want to check the box of before you continue? First of all, as we, we see more than 3,000 startups per year, we have to um, filter in a very rough way at the very beginning. So that starts already with formal things like if we get a mass mail, dear sirs, we know that this mail has gone to probably a hundred investors or so. And if it's a good one, someone will do it and, and he's maybe faster or whatever. So it's not worth looking at. Secondly, a very strong indicator always is how does that entrepreneur come to you? Through whom? Because usually the kind of people we like are connected to people we like. Um, so that's very subjective. It's not, yeah, it's not measurable and um, it's a very strong indicator and it takes out 90% of the noise. So after that, if we have a first meeting, you know, the funny thing with entrepreneurs is that there are so many paradoxes, like uh, they have to be stubborn and it's not always nice to work with stubborn people. Yeah, <laughs> um, They have to be aggressive and you don't necessarily want to deal with aggressive people um, and so forth and so forth. The list is really long. So we, we try to find out if that people person uh, or those people in front of you are the good entrepreneurs or the great entrepreneurs or the exceptional ones. Probably the best entrepreneur is a trio of three people, um, each of them being a part of the perfect entrepreneur. If you look to the um, partners group founders, for example, I think those three are the perfect entrepreneur. What do they like combine? Obviously, it's very hard for one person to, to get all the, um, uh, the capabilities together that you need. Uh, what are the three pillars or a successful triangle as you describe it? Well, I, I think there is always uh, one person um, which is uh, outgoing and, and, and uh, super optimistic and um, uh, convincing. Um, the glass of that person is more than half full. And then you have the opposite, uh, the one um, making sure that uh, no huge risks are taken, that execution is properly done and, and uh, done by the second and not by the minute. And uh, the glass of that person usually is less than half full. And then you, you have um, some integrators in between. Um, in the case of the Zamba brothers, all, also three, three of them, they are that combination. And on top of that, they trust each other um, by blood. Uh, they have uh, had their fight as little babies and uh, taken uh, uh, 
things from the HR. So, I mean, they know each other super well. They know how to, to read each other, when to, how to approach each other, trust each other. That's very important. And um, if we would broaden that up on um, assessing people in general, I mean, investors uh, tell me all the time they don't only invest in a business proposal, but also in the founders, in the, in the people. Um, you know, that's um, a strange scenario, but nevertheless, if you only had three questions to ask a person to, to get a sense of who you're dealing with, what would those three questions be? What would be your choice? Would I have uh, the CV in front of me or not? Um, well, yeah, let's say you have basic informations like what they've done before you have that in front of you. Uh, kind of questions that try to dig deeper, get behind the curtain, because we all know in job interviews or deal-making situations, you try to present yourself in the best light. How do you get behind that with, let's say, three power questions? <laughs> well, first... Before coming to those three power questions, for sure, I would observe that person, look at the person and listen big time uh, before coming to those power questions. Uh, with some, you get it fast and others, you need hours or sometimes you never get it. Um, but usually I would say after, after, one to ten minutes, you have a very precise idea of who is sitting in front of you. And then when you have got some ideas, you try to find the contradictions and split up uh, the, the, yeah, the, the zeros and, and, and the ones looking for contradictions in the stuff that they say and how they act, how that contradicts, stuff like that. Exactly. And then very soon you will know uh, if uh, the, the contradiction tells you that he's more on the uh, one or the zero side. To solve these contradictions, you evaluate different factors. You have body language, the stuff that people say. How do you weight these factors? Hmm. I never, never have systemized uh, that, but I think yeah, it's um, uh, the, I mean, let's let's no, I, I would put it the other way around. The the difficulty is that. Mm. especially with tough entrepreneurs who are, as I said, stubborn, arrogant, aggressive. The difficulty is to um, remain soft and um, amicable because those are the guys who are winners and you want to invest in those. Yeah, So you have to put the discussion on a <laughs> on an abstract level um, and, and and try not to be to be um, any in any kind um, yeah personal or so you know All right. it's a bit um, confused now <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, let's try to get back to those three power questions. Are you ready to, to name your choices of those three questions? Yeah, mm. for sure. I would like to understand what that person in front of me really wants. That's probably the hardest. Um, in my job, I have to find out if they are an entrepreneur or not. And if they are, I have to understand which role does that person play in the organization. And if he is the leader, is his ego cool enough to accept the other two guys next to him. And so all, all my questions will go around that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. So evaluating how, how big is the ego? And the first one was, um, what do they truly want? And, um, Do you have like a tactic to, to dig deep to find out what people truly want? Because most of the time, the first answer won't be like the most truthful or the, the, the realest one. Most of the time you have to like ask why three times or whatever. Do you have like a, a tactic that you use to, to get at the bottom of, of what people want? No, I, th I, I think that um, I, I, I can judge if it's um, bullshit or not, what they answer. Um, and if I think that it's true, I will evaluate if, if I'm fine with what I heard or not. And, and in, in the case of entrepreneurs, often I, I sense that they don't believe in their own goal, mm -hmm. which they have uh, written on paper. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I ask myself, can we adjust those goals? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, as a, one of the last questions, because we have to wrap up already, I hope there will be a sequel sometime. Um, once you have assessed a person and made a decision on investing in a business or not, and in general, you make assessments, you decide on something, but then might come a time where you have to like change your opinion or decision. Let's say in the case of a startup, it sounds very promising in the beginning, then comes the dip where nothing seems to work. And then comes the time to decide, should we keep pursuing? Which everybody says, yeah, you have to be tough. You have to keep pursuing. Or should it be uh, the time to pivot or stop um, uh, completely? Um, how do you... Um, approach that question of what the right timing is to change decisions or change opinions? Well, I mean, first of all, if, if that is the case, um, it's uh, only myself to blame because I was wrong with my assessment. Um, so I will always endorse and strengthen the entrepreneur. Always, always, always. And um, if he tells me that he is afraid of what's what's going to come or that um, he feels that he cannot do it or that um, we will have to change something. I will listen to that. I will challenge him big time. Um, 
But my inner self will always tell me, follow him, because he knows it much better than I do. So again, yeah, it's about uh, listening. Huh? Yes, I would say um, all the follow-up questions I would have are too large to just answer in a half a minute. So I would say, let's wrap up here and we will find another time, maybe by phone, to continue this conversation. We will. Excellent. Thank you very much, Florian. You're welcome. Very much appreciate your time. I hope you are enjoying this episode so far. If you like what you hear, why not collaborate with Sparker on your next business event? Sparker drives strategy and innovation workshops forward as a goal-oriented facilitator. And Sparker can also contribute to your next high-caliber conference as moderator or speaker. If you want to learn more, visit www.sparker.ch moderation. You find the link in the description of this episode. And now back to the rich conversation of this Sparker podcast. Uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, after we had our first encounter, and I'm very happy that you uh, took yourself another time frame to uh, to continue that conversation. That is excellent. Pleasure. And um, what I would like to do is to um, start where we where we left last time. Last time we had talked about, or we ended with um, uh, with the question: when it's time to reassess. Uh, business strategy or reassess if a person is the right fit for, let's say, uh, a CEO position or whatever. Um, uh, how, how do you go about that reassessing uh, of the situation? Uh, that was where we ended our conversation. And basically for you, uh, you said um, listening to the entrepreneur that comes up with that idea that we need change Listening is very important. And then your job always is to, to challenge them in an empowering way, just to, to yeah. really make sure that it yeah. is the right direction. Mm. Uh, yeah, because listening is, is, listening is so important because, you know, we spend only very limited amount of time with the founders and with the business, and we are not in the business. Uh, we are not in the company. So um, I have a, a certain disrespect for any so-called board members who tell the founders what to do out of the board. Yeah? And they, they love to use uh, the term board and, and they feel very proud of sitting in a board. But uh, in fact, they are totally bored. Yeah? <laughs> um, and what investors, I think, really have to do is to understand what, what the founders are at right now. So I give you a concrete example. Um, I had a lunch with a founder during summer and he told me that um, he was struggling with uh, someone in the team and he was not sure if it's a right fit, etc., etc. And, um, you know, 
at the end, it turns out that uh, they have a problem in, 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 in their um, team constellation. And um, if that is the case, in general, it is worse than it looks on first sight. Yeah, and um, so I, what what I can do is uh, you know encourage people to to look deeper and and and, and find out about the foundation of a problem, and um, and then uh, put things on the table as fast as possible, and and help people to to find a good um, a good solution to either do something else within the company or um, do something else uh, in another company. And um, if the second uh, option um, needs to be uh, accomplished, there are different ways to do it. Yeah? It's, uh, and, 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 and it is like divorce, like private divorce. Yeah? If founders split up, and um, you can read all literature about uh, divorce and uh, you will have exactly the same uh, situation with founders. And eventually, um, uh, if the founders are smart and, and great and brave um, and they have some support from the outside, it can be a very smooth process. Um, like it happens in, in, in divorces too and, and, and people like to uh, go out and, and have a dinner together. And that should be the goal. Uh, and not ending up at court uh, for years and, and being uh, stuck in, in, in negative uh, uh, energies for, for ages. In the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things um, by Mr. Horowitz, um, there's a lot uh, of space used in that book about exactly that. Um, how do you separate um, peacefully so that it's a win-win for everybody. And with that relationship aspect, you jump right to one of my main questions I would like to ask you in this part of our conversation, which is um, relationships in, in business, be it um, between co-founders or investor-entrepreneur relationships, or just in general um, relationships in business, in teams. And um, uh, one question that came to my mind from what you just told me is um, more often than not, the first step is uh, having the courage to start an uncomfortable conversation. And um, I think as an investor, you are um, kind of experienced with having that conversation every once in a while. Um, how do you um, prepare and start such an uncomfortable conversation? Oh, I, I, I actually don't know. <laughs> That's a <very laughs> frank answer. Um, you, you know, if you have uh, lunch with someone um, and you hear new things, obviously you are not prepared at all. Um, if you read something in advance of um, uh, an investor meeting or a board meeting or so, of course, then you have time to make up your mind and and you can think about how you're going to phrase the question around the embarrassing topic. Um, you know, I think the more direct you are uh, and 
the better it is. Uh, the, the truth is always always with you. So yeah, go go with the truth. Find the truth. So um, uh, that is the goal. But the tone is it like? I guess you don't start with uh, you fucked up, but it's um, you. you have, I guess you have another approach, or is it sometimes also necessary to go like all in in full? conflict more it, it, it's uh, i think that's that's a communication question where uh, receiver and sender um have to be uh yeah in in, in a resonate resonating um uh mood uh in, in both ways actually yeah and if it doesn't resonate okay then you you have to find um, different different approaches um yes i mean there, there are some entrepreneurs who are especially stubborn um that is true um and and some of them you know just don't listen yeah um and 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 you 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 come up with an idea which you think is essential um as an argument um and and they just do not listen to you and and you have to repeat that again and again and again and i have one case you know where i now, in the meantime, after years of working together, I, I, I have understood that um, if that idea doesn't come from him, but from me, I need at least three months to get it over. And interestingly, uh, I have succeeded if after those three to nine months, he comes up with exactly that idea and, and sells it to you as his idea. Yeah. That is fantastic. <laughs> then, then you have one. Uh, and, and, uh, it, it very often ha- take, yeah, takes um, that long. And, and then you're surprised. You say, okay, oh, yeah, but, but it arrived. Okay, fine. And then you obviously have to cut back your ego and say, okay, you have a fantastic idea. I think that's great. That's fantastic. That's the only way uh, to work with, with those kind of people. And, and the more stubborn they are, the more successful probably they also are because um, those are the guys who can uh, walk through any wall. Yeah, and is there, you said three to nine months, is there a, a shortcut of like, um, like in the movie Inception in planting an idea into someone so that it, that they think that has been their own idea? Again, it depends on, on the type um, of, of personality and, and, and the case I'm thinking of right now is, is a very, very, very extreme case and, and there's no gray, you know, it's, it's either zero or one and, um, and they touch the genius. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I'm really humble, you know, I'm, I'm listening to those people and, and I'm, I know that I cannot achieve an inch of what they do kilometer-wise, every hour. Again, that um, comes back to uh, that you as an investor have a... Um, you look at yourself in a, as a humble contributor or a humble empowerer of an entrepreneur. It's not... Sure. You're not um, the, the big guy with the big ideas. No. You empower the entrepreneur. That's, that's for sure. Um, uh, because at the end, we, we bring money. That's, that's why they come to us uh, from the very beginning. And I think we, we yes, we, we do add a lot of value in, in what we do and how we do it. And yes, there are investors who, uh, you know, um, take value from, from their uh, uh, interactions with, with the founders and um, diminish uh, the value of the company. That's true. Um, but um, that's only, you know, um, the minor uh, part of the value creation, the 
uh, 95% comes from the entrepreneur. And uh, yeah, full stop. That, that leads me to, uh, to a question where um, uh, everywhere you, you always hear that mantra of follow your passion, just follow your passion. Um, what do you think of that, uh, of that saying in business? Something you need to have if you want to be someone who creates something outstanding or if you are part of a team which creates something outstanding. Without that passion or feu sacré or however you want to call it, um, it's very likely that only you know, average things will be achieved. But I guess uh, passion alone is not uh, is not enough. If you don't have you, if you don't have it, you cannot cannot win. Um, um, but of course, uh, it comes along with um, smartness and um, courage and uh, a lot of willpower to fight hard. Uh, and and then also at a later stage um, work on yourself and try to to empower your team much more um and you know and, and then there are very few entrepreneurs who build companies like facebook or microsoft or apple from the very beginning until one of the largest companies in the world. And um, uh, those entrepreneurs are so rare. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, Mark Zuckerberg did not sell his company uh, for a billion at the age of 22 or 23 um, because he wanted to realize his vision. And um, this, yeah, not, not very often. People have very different uh, kinds of passions. Passion can lead people to very different, uh, on different paths. Um, do you have uh, visions or passions that you think they are um, uh, very important that they get realized yeah. compared to others where you say, ah, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's something you can find out easily uh, as an investor is that person just passionate about money or is there something else? Is there a higher goal, a higher purpose? And if it's just the money, I think you can forget it. Um, and I think you should forget it because yeah, why at the end? Huh? Um, uh, Financial returns are a prerequisite for our company, of course. Uh, that's why investors entrust us with their capital and trust. But um, there needs to be more. Um, uh, and you, you, you need, as an entrepreneur, um, to solve a real problem on, on, on that uh, planet we, we, we live on. And... Um, this is something fantastic to, to look at. And if you realize that it's not about doing that, 
um, that way, you know, two MBAs were sitting uh, 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 on a golf course and, and, and thinking about how to uh, make a couple of million. Uh, okay, then good luck. Probably they're going to succeed somehow, but it's, it's, it's something somehow. That tells me that um, I could imagine that some people think to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to have exactly that, the MBAs, or have um, some kind of entrepreneurial background by studying um, entrepreneurial stuff. But would you say that you actually don't need that because when you are so uh, willing to achieve something, that you will find your way, that you will be resourceful and yeah, find your way. That will decrease more and more. Um, and uh, most problems uh, um, will be solved by technology. And then um, not always, no, but in most cases, yeah. Is there, you mentioned uh, the willpower and the, the willingness to fight rigorously comes with passion. Um, is there uh, a moment in time where you have to abandon your passion to um, protect the business or to protect yourself? Have you seen uh, such instances occurring? Yes, um, again and again. Mm. And, and that's really uh, the question um, about timing who is good for which phase of, of the company. Um, and founders not necessarily are good managers in, in, in the very rare cases they are. Um, and if they think they, they are, um, they either grow with it, that, that's possible, of course, um, or um, they are not. And, and then what do they do? Either they recognize the situation, take someone in, or they don't, and they basically screw the company. No? Um, yeah. Is that off? Is that um, a realization that comes from the founders themselves, or is that one of those uncomfortable um, conversations or situations where you have to bring up the truth in quote unquote? I think this question, unfortunately, is, is a question you cannot. Um, force. If, if you try to do that, um, the company takes a hit. I mean, look at what happened to Uber. That's exactly what happened. Um, and I think they, they destroyed a lot of value um, uh, within a year. Um, but I admire Benchmark um, for what they have done because uh, I, I'm sure they had a lot of informal discussions. Um, and suddenly they, they said, okay, this is too much. And now we have to take a stand. And of course, they knew they would, that the value would go down for, for a certain while. Um, but they did that for the sake of the company. And that is, that is really, really, really great. Here again, we, we get into the direction of um, the question of timing, of um, decisions that are difficult to, to make. And in our first part of the conversation, um, you mentioned a lot that you... Um, you also trust your personal judgment when it's a, uh, referring to when is the right timing, um, which founder really has let's say, the power or the, um, the passion. And um, this personal judgment is something very powerful. And what I would like to try to do is find out if there are things that uh, listeners can 
can learn or can uh, get some inspiration from uh, how you acquire your personal judgment or how you um, deal with your judgment. So um, uh, what is it, that personal judgment? Is it a gut feeling, a rational analysis, a combination? How would you describe it? The very short version um, uh, to that question, the answer to that question is, the more I practice, the luckier I get. <laughs> um, Danny Gutenberg told me that. I think uh, he cited it from Tiger Woods, who cited it from someone else. I think that's very true. Mm. Uh, to be a little bit more precise, um, I think you, if, if you have learned to know a lot of people, in my case, entrepreneurs, um, you slowly start understanding um, what kind of entrepreneur he is. There's not the entrepreneur. Um, often it takes a team to make the perf perfect entrepreneur. Three guys, the convincing, optimistic one, the skeptic and the mediator. Exact, exact. Okay, we had that last time. Yeah, true. So um, who is it? Uh, and... Um, uh, who is hiding behind, behind uh, which face? Yeah, because often it's it's the other one. And actually, there are tools which help you uh, assess that. Yeah, um, we use Thomas International, and that gives you a very very precise answer, um, and it reduces your um, time of learning to know the other one by six months. Uh, it's funny that you bring up the quote: um, "The more I train, the better I get, or the the luckier I get." Indeed, it, uh, Daniel Gutenberg likes to say that. In just a podcast that uh, I recorded with him, he brought that up as well. Um, and I like that quote as well. Um, also because it includes the word training. And how did you train your judgment? You said it's just seeing a lot and lot of entrepreneurs. So basically, training by getting exposed, get by making experiences, get into the cold water, or how do you train? Yeah, and, 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 and um, being ruthless with yourself, uh, analyzing um, in hindsight. Um, uh, the good ones uh, and the bad ones, um, uh, and uh, uh, also the misses you, you had. Yeah? Um, our anti-portfolio uh, is uh, spectacular. Yeah? The companies um, which pitched to us and which we uh, turned down and, and became sex, huge successes afterwards. So um, we, we um, have an exercise to go through um, the entire process again and understand why did we say no at what stage. Um, and, um, uh, and I think especially interesting are um, the, the, the failures which we experience um, ourselves because we are the closest to, to the learning. And um, there are some patterns which we recognize now. Um, uh, and I will pick up one example um, of, of patterns. I think there's a pattern that um, if greed comes into play, um, reality is going to be distorted and greed can happen in, in many, many ways. Either you just realized a fantastic exit. Yeah. 
or even worse, two or three in a row, when uh, you slowly begin thinking that you can walk on water. So that's the beginning of the end. Uh, it sounds like uh, success can make you a bit blind. That's what you're basically saying. Greed. Greed, yeah, uh, it's true. Um, are there other learnings that you um, that you made from wrong assessments and how did they change the way you go about um, assessing opportunities now? Yeah, I think that's something you, you, you mentioned earlier before also. Um, if you have the feeling that something is wrong, but you don't know what it is, uh, you better look up um, and, and there is something. Uh, your, your intuition tells you something. Uh, uh, so you realize there is something, but you still don't know. So you have to search until you have an answer. That's something we learned. Um, could you elab elaborate on that a little bit? Um, how does intuition um, uh, show itself to you when something is not feeling right or when you are taking a decision? Just can you tell us a little bit more about that? It, I think that um, the question if I trust a person or not is taken very, very fast. So that's the first impression and I have to validate that, of course. Um, reading into the past, uh, the challenging the present and uh, questioning the future and, of course, taking references. I mean, you always have to call people who have worked for, for those people or with those people And ideally, they, they are not the ones giving you a reference, but you just do it. That will give you a very precise picture. And if I know that um, I do not trust people, I really avoid them. And if, if I've made experiences, bad experiences, I just don't want to spend time with them anymore. From what you're saying, uh, an anecdote comes to my mind from, uh, I'm not sure where I have it from, maybe also that book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, the, about the um, references. Um, this guy said he made the experience that it is uncomfortable for people to um, talk badly about another person. So the trick he came up with to, to assess if a person is... Um, uh, is a good candidate or not he talks on their um, uh, um, he writes them an email or he talks on their um, uh, how do you call um, answer machine on the phone and says only call me back when you can recommend that person and that's that's a way to um, to give the other person the opportunity to give a real uh, an honest feedback without feeling too uncomfortable And that mechanism turned out to be really helpful for, for that guy. I'm, I'm wondering how practical it is. Um, I'm not so sure. I do it differently. Uh, I, I ask my counterpart um, to tell me about the, the weaknesses because they are. And if, if, he, if he doesn't come up with a weakness, I know that the reference call was for nothing. 
and I have to do another one. Getting a, a first impression of a person, you said that happens really quickly. I um, uh, remember the first part of our conversation where you said, it's like the first 10 minutes, you, um, you watch them, you observe them, all kind of indicators, body language, maybe conflicting um, statements, things like that. Um, can you uh, name or uh, formulate what happens in those 10 minutes? Or is that just uh, something that you can't put in words? Yeah, what, what happens is, um, first of all, um, it, I, I, there's a certain triage. And if, if I don't trust that person or I don't want to engage, I'm going to do a polite meeting and, you know, have the time necessary, necessary to, to have a, um, a polite uh, discussion and maybe Uh, give some feedback or ideas um, that can be valuable and that's it. Um, if I like the person um, and I trust the person, um, I want to, to learn from that person too. Um, and I think you can always learn in, in a conversation and, um, and want to give as much as possible and, and, and giving uh, means uh, being direct and, 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 Uh, trying to, to find the truth. Yeah. So, uh, I think you do that if you, um, ask questions a little bit left and right of the path. Um, and, and, and you, you, you see how, how the other side reacts. And if you see that, uh, it's a little bit weak here, you continue, uh, that direction and, And, and you will find the truth, I guess. I remember in part one, you, you said that for um, getting a person, it's really important to, uh, as we talked earlier, to observe that person, to listen, and just to be present, actually, to also feel the vibes of that person. How do you do that? Because it is really impressive. You switch between meetings, between different um, uh, companies. You have to rewire your brain all the time. How do you do it to be present all the time? On one hand side, it's very easy. On the other hand, it's probably the most difficult uh, thing on, on, <laughs> on earth. Um, first, um, you have to sleep well. I, I don't sleep well all night. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm thinking too much. So that's um, number one. Secondly, um, I think you have to be extremely disciplined in the sense that you don't do Two things in parallel which you anyway cannot do um, but having you know your mobile phone or your computer in a meeting what what does that lead you to N nowhere uh, just distraction and, and you do nothing uh, 100 um, and then comes also to discipline comes um, uh, preparation and i think it is very important that if you change the topic of a meeting um, you leave the previous meeting and topic um, in the past. You conclude and then at least for 10 seconds you prepare yourself for the next thing and you are here uh, and you are focused. 
And, and then I think the last practical thing, you better do a short, but 100% meeting instead of two hours, um, and, uh, working with your laptop or, um, doing funny things with your smartphone. Yes, I, I realize that you have um, always this half an hour slots usually to be super focused and get to the goal quickly. And thank you also for uh, having a cool meeting again here. Likewise, Christian. Have a good time. You too. Bye. Bye. This is it, dear listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Sparker podcast. If you like to hear more tactics and learn more about the mindset of interesting people like Florian, you can find many more episodes of this podcast on the Sparker blog. Just visit www.sparker.ch podcast. That's S-P-A rkr.ch slash podcast. There you'll find conversations about leadership, for example with soccer legend Ottmar Hitzfeld, or about the corporate culture of Facebook, live from their headquarters in Silicon Valley. Or you can get more insights in how a unicorn investor sees the world and into the future. All that said, Thank you so much for listening and sharing the insights of great minds in business, innovation, creativity, and leadership with the Sparker podcast. Have a great day and see you next time.